If you'd please open your Bibles to the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Going to be reading a portion from there this morning, and we're also a little later on going to um, be reciting together Lord's Day 10 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Mark 4 and Lord's Day 10. Well, today, as we commune around God's word together, we're going to be thinking about storms. If you've found your place in the Gospel of Mark, in the fourth chapter, um, the heading in the ESV is that Jesus calms the storm. Children, there are really two types of storms that are going on in this passage that we'll be looking at. One of them is a storm that we could see with our eyes if we were, if we were at the place where this actual historical event was happening. There was an actual physical storm going on. Some of you have probably been to Lake Michigan or on the lake when all of a sudden it gets cloudy and... And, and, and the big waves start to come in. Well, that's one type of a storm. The other type of a storm that was going on there was a storm inside of each of, of the apostles that were there with Jesus. They're there in this storm, and, and inside of them there are strong feelings taking place. Uh, the, the The strong feelings that are taking place is fear. They're scared. They're scared that this storm is going to take their lives. And then if if that's not enough, in the midst of this fear, they're, they're there and, and Jesus is sleeping in the boat. That's why they woke him up and said in verse 38, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Children, that means that we are being destroyed. That our lives are, being, our lives are going to be snuffed out here. Now, you would think that this feeling of fear on the inside of the disciples would have gone away after Jesus woke up and calmed the storm. But did it make the feeling of fear go away on the inside of them? What does it say happened in verse 41? Children, I hope you got your Bibles open and are looking at this with me. What does it say in verse 41 after Jesus rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. It says, and they, the disciples, the apostles, they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Our sister helped her children this morning think about God being in control. Of everything. 
when we entered the sanctuary of heaven? We entered the throne room of God. We entered a place. Listen to me carefully. That demands our reverence. We are to worship God in spirit and in truth, John 4, verse 23. That means under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and that means with our spirits. And then in Hebrews 12, it talks about worshiping God in reverence and awe. Again, something being lost in the church today. You you could go into some churches and the, the, the worship service would look more like a rock band than the reverent worship of God Almighty. Now, God doesn't want us to be scared of him. But God wants us to revere him. So, as we go before God again and for a prayer of illumination, we're going to pray that God will help us to properly revere him by by the way we worship each Sunday, by keeping our hearts focused on him. And by the way, if we're starting to think about something else, that something else just what? Became an idol. It became more important than, than God. If I start talking to my boyfriend or my girlfriend or my wife or my husband, what just became more important than God? My wife or my husband or my boyfriend. Let's pray that God will just capture our hearts and focus on him so we can hear him speak to us. Let's do that in prayer right now. Father, we, we see leading up to the passage that we're going to focus our attention on, the, the apostles filled with great fear. As they thought about who Jesus was, And we know that this was not a fear to drive them away. It was a fear to make them realize who he was. And Father, we we have to admit that sometimes we we treat you, we we treat Jesus, we treat the Holy Spirit like they're some kind of big buddy in the sky or something. Lord, we we pray that you'll help us to remember you're God Almighty, that there there always will be a a creator-creature distinction, even in heaven. There is that there, as we read earlier about the worshiping of the angels, the worshiping of the spirits of righteous men and women uh, made perfect, the, 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 the spirits of those elders that were before the throne, they were worshiping you there in the, in the splendor of your holiness. Help us, help us today in this world that's trying to make worship entertainment. That's trying to make worship pattern after this world and not after your word. Help us now to stay focused on you. And please use this broken vessel to speak your word to us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Mark 4, verses 35 through 41. The Word of God. On that day, when evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And and leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind And the sea obey him. Thus far the reading of God's infallible and inerrant holy word. What we earlier were, it was brought to our attention that there are different kinds of storms that we experience in our lives. Uh, There are different types of storms that we, we have in nature going on around us. Uh, There are different kinds of storms uh, that go on inside of us, uh, storms of of anxiety, sometimes a storm of depression. Uh, Sometimes there's a storm between a a husband and a wife or or a storm between a member of Christ's church and another member of Christ's church. And and there's this this storm going on, and and this storm sometimes is not looked at as something that Jesus in his sovereignty could and would take care of. Brothers and sisters in Christ, in this world that's so focused on me, 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 it's all about me, self-gratification, self-glorification, we have to pray that God will help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the Jesus that reconciled us to God, and the Jesus that reconciles us to each other. So a word to anyone in this church that is at odds whether that be with a spouse or whether that be with another church member. Please know that this grieves a heart. This grieves the heart of your Savior. And please know that Jesus is very serious about that. Remember what he said in Matthew 6.15 after he gave us the Lord's Prayer? This is a serious, serious, listen to me. He said, and I quote, this is Jesus' voice. If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Those are pretty heavy words, aren't they, kids? Those are pretty heavy words. What Jesus is saying, hey, hey, Christian, I died on the cross for you. 
And you sin every day of your life. You sinned before you were saved. You sinned after you saved. And now somebody sinned against you. And you're not going to forgive them. So what does that say about what I, what I think about God and, and his forgiveness through Jesus Christ? But you don't understand, Pastor. You don't understand how this other person hurt me. Well, I don't. I understand what it's like having an abusive dad who raped my mother before my young eyes and tried to kill her and remove, and I had to remove the hand from my mother's neck. And I do understand that it was not easy to forgive my dad. And then finally, the Lord worked in my heart. And, and, and I remember seeing a picture of my dad that my wife had put on the fridge. A, a picture that he sent with a Christmas card. And, and I looked at him, and, and he looked just like I did physically. And these words came to my mind. But for the grace of God. There go I. If you or I have, have had someone sin against us, guess what? You or I would do the same sin. And this sinner can tell you right now, I would do it worse. Because I recognize how, how sinfully inclined I am. If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. If this is being spoke to you and you need to be reconciled, don't put it off. Get over there. Get it right. It might be ugly. And by the way, is. Obeying Christ's commands, always peachy and creams. Peachy and creamy? No, it's not. And by the way, that person that you go and try to make amends with, they might say, well, hey, listen, I don't want you around here, but it doesn't make any difference. You did what you were to do before God Almighty. I went to my dad, and, and I went to my dad, and my dad never said a thing about any of the sins that he did. You know what I did? I went and said, Dad, I'd like to ask you to forgive me for the sins that I committed against you. And by the way, these were some sins that he never saw, sins that were rolling around in my mind, sins that were keeping me captive to the flesh when he lived a thousand miles away from me. God's not, we're not responsible for what another person does. We're responsible for what we do. Well, there's these storms that arise in relationships uh, between uh, members of families, in churches. Uh, there, are, there are severe storms that arise within the sphere of civil government. As storms that become so severe that citizens within the cities, states, and nations are at odds with each other. And we're certainly seeing that kind of storm 
today, aren't we? And by the way, brothers and sisters in Christ, let us always remember that these storms cannot be calmed by politicians. They can only be calmed by the king of the nations, who is Jesus Christ. As citizens of the fine city of Prosper, of this state of Michigan, and of the United States of America, we must prostrate ourselves before God, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, and pray for peace. No person can make the problems that we have going on in our country go away. No no person can make the problems within denominations go away. Only Jesus Christ can do that. And by the way, Jesus Christ does that when people obey his commands. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. We don't try to put this fake veneer of peace on everything and make it look like everything's okay by putting Christ out of the nation, putting Christ out of the church, putting Christ out of the family. It might have a veneer of peace, but it's no peace at all. It's fake peace. By the way, it's, it's fake peace that does great damage to souls. It's fake peace that often does damage to bodies and psychs. I'm a counselor, believe me. I know what I'm talking about here. We need Christ, and we need Christ's rule, and Christ rules by the Ten Commandments. And Christ breaks people from, from the bondage of sin by grace through the gospel. We don't throw these out. Now, you're going to be real tempted about right now to look at your clock and say, I'm going to make an idol out of time. Don't do it. Do you believe that God sovereignly worked for this man to fill the pulpit this morning? I'm here by divine appointment. And besides, if you're Dutch, you're getting more bang for your buck if I go over just a little bit anyway. Let's start, to, let's start to dive into this text. And we're going to use a little word, children that are here. A little word, listen, as the springboard to dive into the text. Notice that, that, that word that comes in verse 3. This little word is listen. Listen. I'm going to focus on that word for a minute. Children here are young are all downstairs, so you that are here should know what an explanation point is. An explanation point means that something is being emphasized. It's something that's being expressed with emotion. Notice what Jesus says 
as we start to dive in to this text. Verse 1, and he, again he, Jesus, began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him. And so he got into a boat and sat in, sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, notice the only place where the explanation point is in those first three verses, children. Listen. Children, listen when the Bible's being read in your homes during family devotions. Of all ages, by the way, because it's God speaking. Children and adults, listen. By the way, if, you, if, if your attention starts to stray, don't feed it. Pray, God, help me, help me pay attention. I have an attention deficit. I know what it's like to have attention straying. Sometimes I'll have to pray five times in a worship service. Lord, help me stay focused. Lord, help me stay focused. Because I really want to stay focused. He'll help. He helps me. He'll help you. Listen. Listen to hear Jesus speak personally to you as you gather with others to public, publicly worship God each Sunday. Listen because the proclamation of the gospel is critically important. It, it provides deliverance from hell for the unbeliever. It provides wisdom, knowledge, and discernment in these increasingly deceptive days in which we live. And it provides hope, hope, precious hope. Hope for today and bright hope for tomorrow. So as we look at the broader context of verses 35 through 41 of chapter 4, those which our text has been selected. And by the way, when you're properly studying the word and exegeting it as a pastor, a text without a context, those of you probably know what the rest of that little sentence says, is a pretext. You can twist a text to say anything you want it to say if you don't look at that text in its context. So again, here, here we see Jesus, uh, and, he's, and now he's teaching in this crowd so large, he gets into a boat to better enable all of them to what? Listen to him. Teach. The first half of verse 2 tells us about the manner in which he taught many of the things he shared with a large crowd that day. Children, please read along with me at verse 2. It says, and he, Jesus, was teaching them many things in parables. Now before we get into the heart of the lesson provided by our text, it's important that we understand the purpose of the parables which Jesus was teaching the crowd. Verses 10 through 12 provide for us an explanation of that purpose. Please read them. Read that with me, please. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive. And they may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn 
and be forgiven. Was Jesus advocating an alternate form of teaching by using parables as he taught the crowd? No, parables were, were primarily used to teach uh, uh, something about a spiritual truth by way of a common practice. Properly understanding a parable is important, but please listen to me carefully, very carefully. If you have not yet been born again, if you have not bowed your heart before God Almighty in recognition of the fact that you are a sinner, that you deserve to spend eternity in hell as a rebel against God, and if you have not embraced as your Lord and Savior by faith, Jesus Christ, listen to me carefully, you are spiritually dead. And it doesn't matter if you're a church member. It doesn't matter if you're an office bearer. Uh, there are some pastors throughout time that have said, I preached the word for years, but I wasn't a believer. It doesn't matter what you are or what you do in terms of position or service. What matters is that you bowed your knee before God Almighty and you said, listen, I am guilty as charged. I'm a sinner. I confess I'm a sinner and I accept the Savior that you provided the sacrifice that you provided. And from this day on, I want to live for your glory. Last time I was here, I read Matthew 7, 21 through 23. I would stand up here and weep because I really feel this from my heart. But I won't. One time somebody actually criticized me for weeping. Said that a man shouldn't cry. Men, Jesus wept. Shortest passage of scripture. If you're beyond weeping, you're beyond Christ. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who's been baptized. Not everyone who's made profession of faith. Not everyone who's been an office bearer. Not everyone who's gone to church every Sunday. Not everyone who's th this, that, and every other thing. But the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. And the most basic part of the will of God in heaven is that you repent. That's a command. Repent and believe. God's not coming to you and saying, oh, I need you so badly. No, God's saying, I'm the king of the universe. I'm God. And I've revealed myself to you. And I've revealed that you're a sinner. Now, you need to recognize the fact that your sin is offensive to me. But you need to recognize, man, I have sent a sacrifice for your sins. And you need to recognize that this sacrifice costs a lot. Now, this sacrifice costs the life, the physical life of my son. He had nails driven in his hands and in his feet for you. He had a thorn of crowns crushed in his head for you. He had a spear shoved into his side for you. 
Now, now repent. Repent and believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, profession of faithers. Uh, Did we not prophesy in your name? Preachers. Cast out demons in your name. So-called faith healers. And do many mighty works in your name. And, And then I will declare to them, oh, what a terrible thing to hear. What a terrible thing to hear. I never knew you. Depart. From me, you workers of lawlessness. You think God's law doesn't doesn't matter in God's scheme of things? Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law. Jesus Christ fulfills the law in and for us. But Jesus works as as we are members of God's body to, to still live according to the law of God. Oh, you better grasp this, believers. Living in 2023. You better grasp it because there are pastors. There are church leaders. There are evangelists. And many of them that basically say put the law of God aside. Put it aside. False teachers. The Bible talks about the end times. It says that people will heap unto themselves. Teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. What do itching ears want to hear? They don't want to hear about sin. They don't want to hear about repenting and believing and turning away from sin. They want to hear, oh, you're okay. You're all right. Go ahead. Do what you want to do. Live the way you want to live. They're a dime a dozen today. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Take time. Go before the face of God. Examine yourself. Most important thing that you need to do. Hey, have I really, truly repented and believed in Christ? Uh, you don't want to have that shocking experience at the end. I never knew you. Happen. Well, we will move at a faster pace to consider the fact that Jesus Christ who gave his life for us and who after his resurrection ascended to the right hand of God and and all authority was vested in him by God the Father and he is there now ruling sovereignly in our lives. We're going to look at his sovereign rule for a few moments. First the term Sovereign 
is used to describe a person who possesses supreme or ultimate power. Jesus Christ, here we saw it, he's on the sea and he says, peace, be still. And those waves stopped. The storm stopped. But what's interesting about this passage is he exercises his sovereign rule as God. But as a man, he's down in the hole sleeping. And why is he down in the hole sleeping? It's not because he doesn't care about his disciples, by the way. It's because he's tired. It says in, it says in verse 35, let's go across to the other side. He, he wanted to go across to the other side because he needed to get some rest. And it says that he went just as he, as he was. What they usually did in that time is change clothes before they went on the water because it got a little cooler in the evening going across. He didn't even change his clothes. He went just as he was. And then it says there were other boats with him. Jesus couldn't even escape the people by getting out away from the crowds. There were other boats there. So he goes to the stern in the back of the boat, reclines on a cushion, and he goes to sleep. Isn't this amazing? You have him as God stopping the storm. You have him as a man sleeping because he's tired. You have the God-man there. Brothers and sisters in Christ, please understand that just as this storm was predestined for his disciples in their lives, every storm that you experience in your lives has been predestined by God. And please remember this, that God is right there in your vessel, your body with you. He hasn't forgot about you. He, he not only foreordained the thing that would happen to you, but he is right there with you, and he, by his spirit, is going to help you go through that trial. He exercises sovereign rule over us. Please stand with me, and we're going to make a public profession about our faith, about what we believe about providence. Please stand. And... and and for this reason, we can be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity. We can have firm confidence in our faithful God and Father that no thing, storm or anything else, or creature, evil angel or man, can separate us from his love. I'll read the question. The congregation will please respond with the answer. What do you understand by the providence of God? Take it from one that was tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. The confessions. They're not the word of God. Sola Scriptura, only the word of God is the word of God. But the, 
But the three forms of unity faithfully interpret the scriptures and how important it is to be a confessional Christian today in light of all the false teachers and false teachings that are out there today. Don't throw away your confessions. Don't throw away being confessional. Sound, time-tested, faithful summaries of the orthodox Christian faith. Disciples in our text experiencing a life-threatening storm because God decreed it in eternity. I'm going to focus on a storm right now that we all see going on around us. A storm based on the lawlessness that is happening in this country. Break it down to the church. A storm that's going on based on lawlessness within the church. And you have to have your face in the stand to see that this storm is not going on. Remember, God is a God of justice, and God will exercise his temporal judgments when people go against his will. Sodom and Gomorrah provide for us a very good picture of what happens when a society leaves God behind. And by the way, it's not global warming that causes all these tornadoes and all these different things going on around the world. These are things that God has God is speaking to this world at this time because his Law and his Savior are being neglected. And by the way, the problems in denominations usually fall along the same line. What's going on here? A new Christ is being created. A Christ that's there to, to do everything you want this Christ to do. No, it's not a Christ that's there to want you to do everything you want to do. It's a Christ that died on the cross for you. It's a Christ that... When he, was, when he ascended to the right hand of God, sent the Holy Spirit. So the law, which should be your delight, so he, can, so, so he gives you the strength to live by God's law. And by the way, you take the law out, you don't need a gospel. Sinners need a gospel. God knew these times would be among us. He knew these times would happen, right? He, he knows all things. What's the Bible say about the time just before Christ returns? They're going to be what? They're going to be good times. Everybody's going to be partying. Everything's going to No, they're going to be perilous times to deceive what? Even the elect. It says if that were possible. Guess what? That means it's highly deceptive times. Guess what that means? If you are a real, true child of God that's been born again, it's going to be so deceptive. There's going to be so many false teachers, so many false prophets that are going around telling people what itching ears want to hear that it's possible that you could fall into their trap. Now, you're never going to lose your salvation by following a false teacher, but you will be seriously damaged. Your soul will be seriously damaged. 
And your body might be seriously damaged. I was telling somebody before church, we had a person in our congregation who was struggling with sexual identity. And, and we were, by God's grace, helping him stay the core, express himself by way of God had him to be expressed in general revelation by being a man. And then he goes to the leading Christian psychologist, and the Christian psychologist says, well, no, just start cross-dressing. God wouldn't have you suffer that way. Oh, no, well, if that doesn't work, start taking female hormones. And if that doesn't work, have a sex change operation. And that's the path he's on right now. It's a path to a sex change operation. And he heard this from a Christian psychologist. And guess what? He found a church. He found a church that loves him and that affirms him. That church doesn't love him. That church is ushering him on to bodily mutilation. That church is further further shepherding his soul. That's not a true church. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Do you realize that one of the ways that Jesus sovereignly rules over us is we, by the Holy Spirit, are given the grace and the desire and the strength to obey his commandments. That's one of the ways he uses us to sovereignly rule over us in the office of believer. And I plead, pray for your elders. Pray for your elders. They will be tempted and tried to go the way of the world, to to try to be all-inclusive, to be woke. They're going to be tempted and tried. And they're not going to be popular. Might not be now. By the way, if you're popular for taking a stand, elder, praise God. You weren't raised up to be the winner of a popularity contest. You were raised up to provide oversight for the souls of this congregation, and the Bible clearly says that you will give an account. And those who aren't here, you'll give an account on Judgment Day for these souls. Do they need our prayers? Well, Jesus exercises his rule personally as well as sovereignly. First half of verse 38 says he, Jesus, was in the stern. Fellow believer, Jesus is in the stern. He's in the vessel of your body. He's there to give you what you need to live for Jesus, to obey his commands. He's there for you to stand when it becomes unpopular. And young people, children, it's going to be unpopular. I'm telling you right now. And it's going to be unpopular to Christian schools sometimes. And it may be unpopular to Christian church. But children, guess what? You who are serious about Jesus, serious about obeying his commands, you can actually be used by God to lead in a congregation. You don't have to have made a public profession of faith to do that. I've known godly children who have been used in their parents' lives 
to confront them about sin. Were they popular? Now they need to do that in a godly way and in a humble way. And they need to realize that they might not have it right. But if they really love their parents, are they going to say something? See, Jesus is here. He's with us. Friends might leave us and forsake us. Family members might leave us and forsake us. Church members might leave us and forsake us. But Jesus is here. Personally, with us. Isn't that glorious? Finally, he not only exercises his rule personally and sovereignly, he exercises his rule compassionately. Verse 40 and 41. Stay, hang in there. We're about done. You're doing well. You're getting a short-term guy in here. You probably won't see me again anyway. So it's good riddance. Get out of here. Too long. Hang in there. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea Who is this? Who is this? These are the people that were with him when he saw him restore the hand of a withered man in Mark chapter 3. They had seen him heal the paralytic in Mark chapter 2. They saw him heal a man possessed by a demon in Mark 1, 21 through 27. And then in Mark 1, 29 through 31, it says that Jesus uh, was not only healing a mother-in-law that was, that was very ill. It says that at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons and the whole city was gathered together at the door and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. That's what. Who is this? Aren't you glad Jesus isn't like me and you? After seeing all that, I might well have said, you've got to be kidding me, man. You have got to be kidding me. Who is this? See, Jesus knew that they, like we, sometimes do our memories fail us. Sometimes do we start to go astray? It's compassionate. Brothers and sisters, we should never turn a blind eye or a deaf ear to sin. But we must show Christ's compassion and we must show Christ's patience. Because that believer, as weak as his or her faith is, is still a child of God. As a child of God, that weak Christian is the apple of his eye. 
congregation a prosper? You are the apple of God's eye. Zephaniah 3.17 reminds us, God rejoices over his people with singing. He's rejoicing over you with singing. Never forsake him. Popularity is not more important than him. Let us pray. Father, what a, what a thought you sing over us, knowing how sinful we are and how prone we are to stray. Father, we can't thank you enough for sending your son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us, for giving him all authority and he was seated at your right hand. And we're thankful that he from there sovereignly reigns over all things that happen in our lives. Help us to remember that the things that happen to us don't happen by chance. But that you, Father, planned it in advance and it's going to work together for your glory and our good. As we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Thank you that Jesus reigns personally. Thank you that he lives within us by way of his spirit and among us as members of his body. Help us in this age, day of lawlessness to be faithful to him. Thank you he reigns compassionately. Thank you that he sees us as the apple of his eye. Thank you that you rejoice over us, that you sing over us. That really is something that blows our minds. But we thank you for it. Now please strengthen us and give us what we need to live as true children of God in this lawless age in which we live. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you now stand for the Lord's benediction. After the benediction, uh, we'll be led in song uh, to sing, or we'll sing uh, in Christ alone all of the stanzas. Now remember, even though this man is here with his hands up, try to picture Christ with his hands up saying this, the God of all grace, who has called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, Make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And all of God's people say, amen.